The Meeting Charleston podcast is sponsored by Princeton Mortgage, home of the Princeton Promise. If you think your mortgage process was anything less than effortless, just tell them why and receive a $1,000 credit at closing. My husband Mark and I moved to Charleston in 2018 with our three daughters. We both grew up in New Jersey and were ready for a new adventure. We had visited Charleston a few years back and immediately fell in love. So when it came time to pick a new home, low country living seemed like a no-brainer. So far, it has definitely exceeded our expectations. We love meeting our new neighbors and hearing their stories, so we started this podcast because we think that you might want to hear these stories too. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our feed on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, and please give us a five-star rating. Your support will make it easier for us to get an audience with the people you would most like to hear from. If you have suggestions for us on guests or things that we can do to improve the podcast, please message us on Facebook or Instagram. Your feedback is sincerely appreciated. Now on to our guest. So we're here with Eric Gusson, owner of Trio. Uh, welcome to uh, Meeting Charleston Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about what made you decide to get into the nightclub business. Take us on our, your journey. Um, so it's just always kind of interests me. I love the music. Um, I actually was in law school here and was a bar back at Trio back in 2011 when the old owner, Mike Shore, had it. Uh, we were just kind of pretty close friends due to the fact that my wife and his girlfriend at the time are, <clears throat> were, were uh, best friends in college. Um, stopped practicing law, fast forward, ended up managing the club and saw some potential in the kind of EDM side of it. They didn't really have any interest in expanding it to that realm, so I decided that I could would try to dive in and do it myself. Cool. So, how have things been going so far? They're great. What what's what do you think the well, what do you think the opportunity was here in Charleston? Why specifically? And what do you think uh, what do you think the opportunities are moving forward? Where do you see it going? Well, there definitely wasn't um, anywhere that was offering what we what we have. So. Um, you know that was that was number one. Another another kind of key factor that we saw was Charleston's very diverse, and there's a lot of groups of friends. Even where, you know, you have a group of ten and five like one thing, three like another, and you know the last two don't like either. So, to us, it was kind of trying to be able to find something that kind of fit everyone's likes and needs. So that's really what got it's us. It's a bold. It's a bold. Uh... Mission to be yeah, on, yeah. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's still nightlife. So, I mean, everybody's still kind of in that wanting to go out and meet people and, and, you know, have some drinks and have a good time. But, you know, not everybody likes DJs and lights. Not everybody likes live bands. So to kind of be able to bring that all together in the space that we have, but not just offering a, an area with a DJ and an area with a band, kind of really making it to where, all right, we're going to have a nightclub and a DJ atmosphere that is like no other and then same thing with the bands and sound system that you know is unparalleled in the city is really kind of what brought the vision to life cool so i want to get back to all that in the business of running your nightclubs i think people are fascinated by that or at least i am so we'll, we'll talk about it but you said you grew up in the dc area take yep. me through what where did you grow up what was your childhood like and what made you originally decide to go kind of do the law school thing? So um, I grew up in Potomac, Maryland, so about 15 minutes outside of D.C. I'm one of four boys. I'm the oldest, so three oh, younger God brothers. Any of them live here? Uh, one lives here. He's, okay. He uh, has been here for about two years now. Um, he moved here to come kind of get closer to me, and he's, he was kind of in the food and bev hospitality business in Maryland. Okay. And saw an opportunity when I was getting ready to buy the club and wants to expand his footprint, so kind of a great way to great place to do it uh, awesome. one's in new york and the other's in atlanta parents are both still in dc area um yeah just grew up playing hockey playing sports not really a big party or anything like that um just kind of it just kind of evolved into going to college here and then law school here and kind of not really knowing exactly what i wanted to do but wanting to always continue doing something and that's kind of how it got to the law school aspect. And then from there, I was putting on events for the law school. I started a small event company. I used to do citywide events once a year. I did one at the Old City Jail for so, Halloween. Oh, but wow. That, yeah. Not just that, oh, yeah. That's cool. But so, real quick. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> so, so, you said you weren't really much of a partier, but then you got into event planning. Mm -hmm. What was the. 
draw. I was always a planner. I was never, when I say I wasn't a partier, I was never like drinking in high school and I was never one of those like super outcast or uh, rebellious type of kids. I was never really getting in trouble, but I always liked organizing. I mean, for prom, I was the one who did the limo, made the dinner reservation. I was always the one who was kind of taking charge because I like to do things my way. And if it, if it, I feel like if I don't, we kill each other. If I don't, <laughs> if I don't step up and do it, then it won't get done properly. Sure. So, Cole, so I interrupted you. Tell me about the uh, the Halloween stuff. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I just um, I was the social chair of our law school, and oh I God, did I barristers it. ball, and it was the largest turnout by over two hundred students we'd ever had in the three years I was in law school. So I kind of said, all right, well, how can I monetize this? So I started with an event at the bus shed and we did, we rented out the bus shed and we brought in a band and got in contact with some beer vendors and just threw a summer bash and it turned out really well. So then I went to try to go bigger and we went to do it at the old city jail and we had some hiccups because that was, you know, going from 800 people to now 1500 people is, doesn't sound like a big step up, but it really is. Well, you think 800 people is still it's a lot. A lot of yeah, people. for sure. But what, can we just back up to the first one that you did with yes. 800 people? Mm-hmm. So it's the first big event that you're trying to make money off mm-hmm. of. How much money do you make? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a pretty, it, it's a weird question because you could, it, it, I've done events to where that first one was super low budget and it was super low risk and we made a decent amount of money. Yep. But make you know three times what you put into it but on a small scale that doesn't it could be a lot it could be a little so yeah you know if you're only putting 10 grand into a party and you make 20 that's great uh but if you think of it on a larger scale you know if you put 50 grand into a party and you can double it you make 100 grand it's a lot better so um it it, there's different calibers of events that you can do of course how many hours of work do you put into a ten thousand dollar yeah um i mean it for the three months before it, it was a full-time job plus some. Um, I mean, it, it's a lot of things that go into it. I mean, I did 50 site visits. And, and again, this was my first time, so I didn't know. I didn't have a lot of the logistical experience that I do now to where would I do it. I mean, we just did another one this past Halloween uh, with Waka Flocka, and it was great. And that was the biggest turnout we've had, and it was the smoothest event because I've done six or seven of them now, and I know – where you need to bring in more people and where, you know, what you need to have set up wise, you need to make sure you have enough bathrooms and things like that, that you don't really, you don't know how to narrow down how many bathrooms per person are you going to need in a building for an event, you know, things like that. So that's kind of how that, the event side of things started. There's, yeah, I have a lot of questions. (laughs) So, okay. So did you find investors for this? Were you a saver? Did you have money from parents? How did you get like initially get started? Because it seems like you need to have at least some money to outlay to begin with. For the first one, I was kind of, um, I just, I, I brought in one friend who was kind of into the same types of things I was. He was like, let's let's do something fun. Let's throw a party. And we each threw in $5,000 and just decided to see what we can make happen with that. And we stuck in our budget and got some sponsorships and, you know, tried to, you know, bring in some different groups that would, you know, maybe buy, pre-buy, you know, a package of 100 tickets at a discount or something like that and sell them to their own organizations or things like that. And it just, yeah, I mean, I'm not necessarily a saver. I like to spend money when it comes in. (laughs) Um, But it's just a lot of that stuff you can float through the event itself. And um, and then it's just coming up with a budget and making sure you can stick to it. (laughs) So... And Which then, I did not do at Trio. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean in the renovation part of it? Uh, the budget was way more than we had anticipated. <laughs> so, so talk to me about it. I mean, I mean, so people, this is like the stuff that people find super interesting in that, you know, um, it looks awesome. Well, thank you. You are clearly having a really good time while you're there. Yes. What, it was... So the first time I saw you there with, I can't remember who the DJ was up there. I thought you were like part Cedric. of his crew. Was it Cedric? Oh, no, 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 the no. first no. time, yeah. And then I saw you back there, I think, for Cedric. And I was like, oh. And then I asked somebody and they're like, oh, you know the place. I was like, that's awesome. Like, he loves it, right? And so, um, you know, t- so tell me, first of all, when you took, o- you took over it, you decided to put the reservations in. How do you, how do you, 
let's say I want to buy a nightclub and I want to do these renovations. How do you get the money for that? How do you do all that? And so that was a t- kind of a really, uh, not, I wouldn't say tough situation, but it, it came by, it happened so fast that that's, I mean, it, it's, I wouldn't say poor planning, but it was something where the opportunity is there. And if you don't jump on it now, it's not going to be there. So we kind of put the cart before the horse and we said, all right, we're just going to work backwards and see what we need to do to get it. And then once we get it, we'll figure out the rest. And, um, which is in hindsight, not the easiest way to do things because it makes it very stressful throughout a million dollar renovation project. But, um, you know, I'm happy with how it turned out. So it was either that way or no way. And I'm, kind of glad that we still we just did it that way so just for timeline purposes because a lot of people that uh, have listened to the podcast i'm sorry no 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 no, that's fine but just because sometimes it's hard to follow if somebody's looking at listening to these podcasts to really try to build something on their own and just so the first party that you throw with 800 people at it what year was that 2014 and then you guys decide to buy i feel like there's some complicated like this person owns a few things and then they sold and there's like a lot of so, <laughs> friends so, involved yeah or... and you know i was at the time was still working at uh the, the old owner owned trio he owned midtown which is now king street dispensary yep the blind tiger and vintage lounge so i was still part of their group and then a couple other wedding venues and, and things like that but hospitality wise those are the four Okay. Um, How many people make up that group? So there's one main owner, and then in each different group, he has whatever deals he has with other investors and, and things like that. But he's uh, he's there's one man who basically is the head of all of it. Awesome. Okay. Um, and we were just close, and I worked with actually pretty much every one of those venues. I helped manage them all. When you know GMs were out of town, I would fill in at one. Um, when promotions were not doing well at one, I would maybe focus some time on that to help out um, with certain, you know, certain parties or certain events, things like that, that I was kind of good at at the time. And I'm a social person and have a lot of friends and was able to bring a lot of different aspects and people to different things. So um, that was a solid, you know, four years before it got to the point where, and I was the GM of Trio. That was my position um, from starting after law school. I was working with a lawyer for a little bit and it just, he was amazing. It just, um, I, it wasn't what I really wanted to be doing. So I started focusing more and I was better at the hospitality side of things. So I kind of tried to grow my role in that and I wanted to continue it. And there was just some, I don't know, there's no bad blood by any means, but just some differences in opinions on ways that things should go. And if you don't own it, you know, it doesn't really matter what your opinion is at that point. So I figured if I wanted to get to where I wanted it to be, then I had to take over. It's awesome. How long has Trio been open? So it's been Trio since, from what I think, is 1994. Okay. And it has changed. It was, a, again, I don't know because I wasn't here, but I've, from what I've heard, it was a strip club in like the 70s or 80s, and then it was a bar. And then it's been Trio, um, the nightclub-ish, I want to say since like the early 2000s. Um, and it's been through... A handful of owners. Um, it's been through renovation every five or so years. This is just the first time it's been a like a true production nightclub with the lights and the sound and all that. It's always just been like the upstairs was the place that you know had a had a DJ and dancing, and the downstairs was kind of loungier. And uh, you know that was part of the part of the problem for me, or what I really wanted to defeat was that in the past at midnight downstairs was slow everyone wants to go upstairs because after they have a few drinks it's just a completely that's just the atmosphere they want to be in so that's back to the mentality of or the vision of something for everyone is we wanted to make it so it wasn't just the upstairs and but yeah but it's, it's been it's changed at least three or four times and it's but it's been here since like the early 2000s so if you're describing it to somebody who's never been there before they're, they're wanting to know what to do on a saturday night and you're saying like Hey, come to Trio. What what do you want them to know about upstairs, downstairs? Paint me a picture of how you see it. Uh, downstairs is a live music lounge, more upscale with you know a lot of seating and great for earlier in the night groups. Or if you want to, we do a lot of cocktail parties or wedding after parties there because it's more of an, a uh, diverse age group down there. Upstairs is this twenty five to thirty two year olds that 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. 36 year olds. Okay. Or 36 year olds that look like 32 year olds. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and want to, want to really like let loose and, and be in a Vegas style nightclub. And then the patio is kind of a chiller place in the summer. It gets hot, but you know, we got fans out there to cool you off. And then in the winter, it's just a, you know, have heaters and spring and fall. It's just a place to either escape from upstairs or just have a completely different patio vibe that Charleston loves and, Likes to offer. So, did the club get acts like Cedric Gervais before you took over? No. So, how do you go? Yeah, what where do you, do you do to get lead? Cedric Gervais to come here? And how? What made you decide to be that bold? And how do you go about doing all that? Take me through all of that. So that I was gonna actually touch on that when you mentioned that at first you thought I was with the you know the team of the DJ and all that. So Charleston is, as you know, everyone wants to come visit Charleston. Um, these bigger artists, we can't afford their normal fees because we have a 200-person nightclub and they're used to playing 5,000-person-plus rooms. So we have a member on our team who actually lives in Charlotte. He owns a company called Loud Crowd Live. Um, he used to be a talent buyer for one of the largest promotion companies in the country. And about a year ago, he started his own company. And that's when we kind of linked up and he said, look, I've got this Rolodex of agents and artists from anywhere from Cedric to Tiesto to, you know, names all in between that he's like, I've had working relationships with 10 plus years. Um, smaller clubs are kind of the trending thing right now. So I think we make a great team. Let's work together and try to bring these people in. Um, part of how we're able to keep them coming is because we're just getting rave reviews from them on our production, obviously just our hospitality you know they come in town we pick them up personally at the airport we don't send an uber we take them to a hotel you know we pick them up for dinner we show them around the city uh, you know, they get a lot of experience that they don't normally get when they go to vegas they get picked up in a limo they stay in their hotel room until they go perform they perform they go back to the room and they get to the airport the next day so yeah they're making tenfold what they're making here but to a lot of these guys you know they want that experience and there's not they can't play in Vegas every single weekend. So they've got to diversify their, their portfolio and where they're playing. So having the hospitality side of it and having the team involved with us, and we've got a team of, I would say like eight or nine people on, just on the hospitality side that run, you know, artist riders, which are what they want to eat, what they want to drink, uh, to picking them up at the airport. Uh, you know, just the whole hospitality side of it. A lot of them asked for some crazy stuff. One of them that we brought in, um, what had a his story was that he had a kind of a rough childhood and all of his friends have Legos and he never was able to afford Legos. Every city he goes to, he puts on his rider a Lego set. So we made sure that we got out and got him a really cool Lego set because that's something that he now remembers. Like, oh, Charleston was cool. I only made a tenth of what I normally make, but they picked me up. They took me to an awesome dinner and you know I had this whole downstairs of a club to myself to build a Lego set before my set started. So it's like things <laughs> so like that cool. are like pretty cool. So great. Yeah. And that, I mean, yeah, it's obviously a business for them, but like I said, they're not going to get those offers every single time. So they get to really pick and choose, um, you know, which ones they want to take. And by offering that hospitality, the level of hospitality and the caliber of our production is up to par with Miami, Vegas, all these big offers. It's a win-win for them because it looks good on paper when we're posting pictures and all that, because, you know, it looks like they're playing at a very high end nightclub. But then also they get to enjoy themselves a lot. Very cool. Yeah. So we've been going to Vegas for longer than I'd like to admit. And <laughs> we, uh, we, you know, so, and I, I was just shocked the first time I, I came to Trio because I didn't think there was any way I'd find all the attention to detail, honestly, that just makes it feel like you're in a Vegas. You, you forget you're in Charleston. You forget that when you walk outside, it's going to be that patio area that like is very Charleston in terms of how all that feels. And, um, and so uh, how confident were you that people would come if you, if you did all of this? Um, you know, honestly, it, it's being in that, that I was at trio for five years before I knew the numbers like the back of my hand. And, you know, as time went on more and more places started opening up that were kind of all more, the same. It was a DJ with, you know, six lights above them. And that was kind of it. So did I know that people were going to come? No, but I knew I, I, you know, I knew enough people would like it and it would have enough of a wow factor with what we did 
that everyone would at least want to see it once. And if we could provide the level of service that I wanted to, that you get in Vegas. Uh, now I'm not saying we're like Vegas because they'd get, you know, they have 400 people a night working in their nightclubs, but it's close enough to add, you know, to add that, that extra level of service that I think we do, um, people will come back because they feel welcomed and special. Yeah. I'd say, so did you, when, before you did the donation, did you have both bars in the back of that room upstairs? Yeah, they were, they were a different layout. Um, the front, the, the main bar in the front was, uh, actually diagonal and was also L shaped. So it went across the room and then ran down the wall where that ex where the VIP table is now. But yes, so I, the renovation prior to me owning it was when I'm pretty sure they built the second bar. Um, but it, it wasn't, it was tough because it wasn't laid out the best way prior. So there wasn't a lot of room behind the bar. So you couldn't really have two people at each bar. So by make, by changing the shape of it, we were able to add the extra, the extra portal back there to make sure that now we can have four bartenders upstairs to each bar. Yeah. It's amazing because, yeah. you know, we, um, I've, I've never got, I've never had a problem. I, the drinks come so fast there. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves is, you know, you spend all this money to go to a club, you spend all this money for the drink and like, you have to like fight through a crowd to get there and it takes forever. You know, it's part of the reason why I think I enjoy the experience there so much is because even if I'm not doing bottle service, I can get a drink, you know, and I can go get a drink and come back to my spot on the dance floor, even when it's completely packed. And right. so, you know, I was just curious how much thought you guys had put into all of that. A yeah. lot. So that was, and again, I was a bar back then I was a bartender. I literally for the first six months I was managing, I ran the door. Like I've, I've worked at pretty much every single position in that bar. So I was able to kind of use that to my advantage and say, all right, like when I was bartending back here, you know, I, I, the liquor was on this side and the beer was on this side. Why don't I find a way to put it together so I don't have to move across the whole bar. So we built basically a station at every single portal of each bar um, to where you, they don't, the bartender doesn't need to leave their spot. They've got their ice, they've got their cups, trash can, sink, beer, liquor, everything is within an arm's reach and their computer. So it's a lot more efficient. So yeah, they're able to serve a lot quicker and, and utilize the space a lot better. That's awesome. So who's your favorite act that's been there so far? You're not going to make anybody Ooh. upset. Um, <laughs> I want to know who wanted the Legos. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. And, uh, and who, who is like your dream person to come through? Um, so my favorite act is kind of a loaded question because there have been some that I've enjoyed hanging out with personally more so than, um, than just their performance. Um, like who stood out as being awesome. So Zeko was probably one of my favorite. He actually canceled his flight for two days in a row because he was having so much fun and he stayed Sunday. And then what'd you guys do? We showed them all of Charleston. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, what are your favorite places in Charleston when you're taking some when somebody's canceling their flights? What's... So I'm a I, I I really only go out during the daytime because nighttime's on that trio. But you know I like going to dispensary during the day for brunch or Blind Tiger is a great patio. Obviously, I'm I grew up or I don't want to say grew up. I my hospitality career kind of started at these places. So they hold a different piece to me and yeah. I still know all the people that work there and run them. So I, I enjoy going to places that I know people, but I mean, there are so many awesome places in Charleston. You can't really go wrong anywhere. I know. Go ahead. So yeah. So, favorite so, tell me, so who, favorite acts. <laughs> okay. Who, yeah. Take um, me. I think Borges is also one of my favorites. He's a big room Vegas guy, so the energy yeah. is really big. But we do everything from like deep house all the way to heavy dubstep because we're really trying to build just EDM as a whole. So Thursday nights are more of our like underground bass or house nights. So we do a lot of artists that are not super big on those nights um, for a completely different crowd that's in there Friday and Saturday. Yeah, Borges did a lot. There's a lot of shows in Atlantic City too. We yep. were in Jersey. We catch him there. And yeah. Um, so, and then who's the, who are the dream, who's the dream team that you'd love to get in here? Um, my wife is, is in love with cash cash. Okay. Um, so that's obviously they're Jersey too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're New Jersey, New Jersey guys. So that's, that's one just to make her happy. Um, her <laughs> all time favorite is Kygo, but that's just, there's no way that that would ever work. Tiesto and Steve Aoki are two that I think if they, if we caught them on the right day, may possibly look at coming just because they are kind of so big that it'd be a cool experience for them. Sure. 
Yeah. I think we know somebody who knows Tiesto. Yeah. So Zecco, Joby. Zecco is actually uh, really close with him. He was at his wedding, and he's every time he's Zecco's been here twice. He's coming again next month, um, and every time he says, "I just got to get him here. He's gonna love it." Yeah, and his wife need to come. So again, that back to the hospitality side, we're putting together a package for him where you know, he makes anywhere from you know three hundred to a million dollars on a show, which we obviously couldn't even come close to. But you know, we send him a package that says, "Look, here, here's the sanctuary. Why don't you spend two days there? We'll get you a reservation at Fig and get you to all these good places." And it turns it into like a little vacation for him, and then maybe he wants to come. That's awesome. So that's kind of the approach that we take. Yeah. Well, you. You are in Charleston, so you have to use it for its strengths and its weaknesses, exactly. right? And so, you know, or deal with the weaknesses and use it for its strengths. Um, so what are some of the things that we would never think about in owning a nightclub that, you know, people should know? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that people wouldn't think of, but like, you know, you think of a nightclub, you think of drinks and you think of DJs. But what I think really makes something more successful is the rest of the staff running it and the positions that you don't really think about that are important that really are like a porter position is probably <coughs> one of the most important positions we have and we're probably the only place in Charleston that actually has one and it's just someone who it's it's like a busboy but it's someone whose job is to you know make sure that the floors are clean no one's slipping beer cans are not beer bottles are not out on the table so nothing falls and breaks and all that and you know that position is so important to have a good attitude because if you see someone who's like looking upset the whole time, if you see someone walking around, it's liking their job, they're dancing around and having fun, then obviously it adds to that experience and it, it fills their fills the, the, the void of what you need done, but it also does it in a way to where it keeps the atmosphere the way that you want it to be. So I would I would say attention to, to detail and attention to um, the smaller things that you don't think that, that aren't as obvious are, are just as important as those that are. So have you thought about what's next or how to keep it fresh? And um, Yeah, I mean, with Trio, we're still, I feel like, still in that kind of beginning phase. So um, I think we've, as far as like any type of growth there, I think we're still trying to build, catch up to where, what we have built. And then I think, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, again, being with in this hospitality business for this long, nothing ever lasts forever. You need to keep it fresh. You need to keep it going. So yeah, I mean, I haven't, don't really have any um, plans short term yet, but I think in the next two years, we'll need to do something big. And I'd like to expand my footprint and get to another, you know, another venue. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a nightclub, but just something different, but still offer the same extra level of service and kind of doing it the right way that I think we do at Trio that I want to bring somewhere else. I've yes. got some ideas for you. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for partners. I'm. <laughs> what were some? What, what's your internal motivation? I mean, so you know, where does it? Like, what's the drive every day that makes you want to do it better, want to do it bigger, want to do more? Um, I mean, obviously, there's. This typical answer is family and friends and all that. But I, I really enjoy what I do. I like being able to have a staff of 40 people that want to go to work and enjoy going to work and look up to me as a superior. And, you know, I like being able to to treat people that work for us, in, you know, in this team mentality. And really, like, you know, for example, I'm a big sneaker guy. I love sneakers. For my birthday this year, <clears throat> my snap, my staff, all threw in a lot of money to get me these sneakers that I've wanted forever. I just was not going to spend, you know, four figures on a pair of sneakers. And it just kind of showed me that, like, <laughs> I'm doing a good job at making them, you know, feel like they're in a place that they want to be. We've had zero turnover since we opened because wow. everyone wants to be there. And I, we get people, I would say, at least three to five a week who reach out via social media, email, come by, drop in, saying, hey, are you guys hiring? Um, you know, I'd really love to join the staff, join the team, whatever. And um, it's just, we, everyone just likes being there. And that's a really rewarding thing for me to see that everyone's built, it, we've built such a camaraderie that that's, that's one of the biggest parts of it. 
So how much of that's come naturally for you and how much of it is like a conscious thing you're constantly trying to drive? Both. I mean, I think it's, it's, I'm always trying to drive it, but it's not necessarily because I think it's, it's just, that's how my personality, I've always wanted to, I've always been a giver. My wife says that my love language is gift giving and I've always been one to like, want to, want to like have make sure other people are having a good time i guess that's kind of why i'm in this hospitality industry because i want to be able to provide good experiences for other people you guys are like the same this is like (laughs) you're like my soulmate i don't know what's going on (laughs) um so take me through so have you got to travel a lot and go to a lot of other clubs other places yeah not recently because of this one but um yeah i mean i've been to clubs all around the country what inspired trio where'd you um, you really went all out with the lights. Yeah. I want to get talk about the lights too. So this is actually kind of a, it started off with like one little conversation and it just like that person got me to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. So, um, growing up in DC, my dad was really good friends with a big nightclub owner who, um, had some really big spots and got close with this guy during that time. And, Fast forward 15 years, this guy lives in Miami and he runs a sound company. And he says, look, you know, Eric, I've got this guy if you're looking for a sound. And I had ideas of what I kind of wanted the place to look like and how I wanted to kind of take it to the next step. But I always, you know, Charleston, when it, when a place opens up, it's always one notch above the one for it. You know what I mean? Everyone's trying to outdo it by one. And that was my thing. I was like, look, I don't have a huge budget. We kind of got jumped into this. Why don't we... I wasn't going to go crazy. And he's like, look... <laughs> Talk to this guy. He's probably the number one sound guy in the country. He's done 11, live in Miami, a bunch of clubs, all the Tau Group clubs. Yep. Um, I mean, he, he runs sound for some really big names. And he's like, talk to him. Um, he'll, he'll at least give you some free advice. So we talked, and he's like, why don't, I, why, don't I, why don't I just come to Charleston, and you can show me what you show me the space, and we'll see what we can do. So he flies in, and I love the space. Here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give it to you at my cost. You're, my, you're, you know, you're a friend of I'm a good friend of your dad. He did a favor for me 15 years ago, da, da, da. So we started working with him. He's like, oh, you need lighting. I got a light guy. So we talked to the light guy. He's same thing. He came down. We put down our proposal. It's like, God, oh, so much over budget. But then it's like, <laughs> I want to do it. So then we signed the proposal. And it's like, oh, well, we can add this. We can add that. And it, it just, it, I don't want to say it got out of hand, but it's it got to where it is now. And then, of course, he's like, oh, well, I've got a special effects guy. You know, you need to, you need to meet him. He's got this cryo system. And then it's just... It was just one thing after another. So I would say the there wasn't like a, a number one thing where I was like, oh, I want it to be like this. But it was it was just, you know, going to Vegas, having that big club feel, going to Miami, seeing all the lights, and being able to put, you know, have somebody on our team that has on their resume 11, Story, Live, Hakkasan. I mean, these, these are the biggest clubs in the world. To be able to say, hey, the, the light tech from – 11 flew up for six weeks and did our lighting install is kind of cool and it, it adds some legitimacy to what we were trying to do yeah it's only cool though because the lights are awesome right like at the end of the day yeah. too right like, yeah so i mean because you know i've seen that go the other way right like right. oh we have this legitimacy of this name i'm like yeah but the work's not great or whatever it is like it it came out it just stands out. I'll say you didn't go one level above. And so uh, thankfully I'm glad you got sold on all that extra stuff because <laughs> I think it, I think it paid off for you. Um, or at least it paid off for my experience while I'm there. Well, that's uh, good to hear. Yeah. It, it, it's getting there. So it, the space, obviously you didn't get to choose it, you know, or, you know, for what it was, um, what would you change about it? You know, in a perfect world, what, what, did it, what would you, is there anything that you wish was a little different? Um, honestly, I would say the size, I wish it was bigger, but then, it's a double-edged sword because, yeah, March, April, May, June, July, when we've got a line down the street, I wish it was bigger. In the wintertime during football season when people are at home team instead of the nightclub because they're watching the Georgia game and they're watching the Carolina game and the Clemson game and it's 10 o'clock and they've had 18 beers already and they're going home, you don't want a big space because if it's not full, it's not as fun. So um, I don't know if there's really much I would change about it. That's awesome. Yeah, I I often, you know, so in Tau, you know, at Tau, they have like different rooms they can open mm-hmm. or close and make it feel bigger or smaller. I wonder if like, I don't, I'm, I'm still surprised I don't see more of that, right? Because like I was at Deco one night, but the whole time I've really been there. 
And um, like there just wasn't enough people there. And so it was weird. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's just like, so yeah. the things you could do with your room or if you thought about that, even like if you were to have a bigger venue, is there a good way to do that where you can. It's tough in Charleston because the buildings are so old and no- nothing comes from scratch. You know, it's all you're given, like you said, you're given what you have and you got to work with it. So, yeah, I mean, Hakkasan, I personally think is one of the best places that does that. And they'll expand their room as the night goes on and then make it smaller when it starts to die out. So it feels big all the time. And it's great. You can't really do that here. There's 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 not really spaces big enough. And, and I don't think a club big that big in Charleston would have the demand because it's just it's Charleston's still a southern charming city. Yeah, you get a lot of tourism. You get a lot of people like you and me who are not from here originally that like it. Or, you know, you get a lot of people that are from here that want a big night out. But it's not we don't have the size of city and the demand for something like that every single night. So is it easier or harder than I would think to get people to do bottle service in Charleston? Um, it depends. It depends. It's it, like a very much a bachelorette bachelor party yeah. thing. And so yeah. like, how do you get those people to know about you when they're coming here too? Like what's the marketing approach for that? Um, honestly, a lot of it is word of mouth. We get so many groups that say, "Hey, my friend was there for their bachelor party and had a blast." Like, we want, we want, we want what they have. You know, we'll give them the options to say, "I don't." Whatever they, you know, pull up their reservation. Whatever they have, that's what we want. Um, and a lot of a lot of these artists are are marketing. You know, if, if somebody from New York follows these EDM artists and they see Cedric Gervais, po- you know, reposting a, a a flyer from Trio in Charleston, they're going to say, "Oh, when I go to Charleston, that's where I need to go." So. You know, it, there's a lot of that, and it is a lot of social media marketing. We've got a girl who we would not be where we are without her. She's done everything from the relaunch to branding, what we the Take Me to Trio, what we've branded. I mean, she, this was pretty much all her, and we owe a lot, pretty much all of our image to her. So she's done an awesome job at hitting the right influencers locally and um, building a brand that we can then promote. And, and we are getting some national press from the production that is bringing people in. I mean, we've got groups from Miami who have seen us on national magazines that have said, oh, cool, like we saw you guys here. We want to get, you know, we want to book a VIP this weekend or whatever it is. So um, I don't really remember where, where that started from. But, but yeah, I mean, just, just how, how we get them. We, there, there's ways that we need to probably improve on like SEO and things like that, but everyone does that. So we're trying to be unique and, and build a, a brand that will be recognizable that people just want to like. Yeah. Do you have any questions that you want to follow up on? I, have, I could talk about <laughs> Go that on for, yeah. yeah. Um, so, well, for, I wanted to kind of just re- like outside of the, nightclub even yeah no, well, i know you're very interested in the party planning i know no i love yeah, yeah i love that stuff um it's, i mean it's part of i think why i wanted to do this podcast and start meeting everybody and we like we literally eat out like five times a week there are some my parents came or my dad and my sister and her husband came last thanksgiving and there were nights that we had i literally had a dinner reservation at five at rappahannock and then i'm like we're gonna do dessert and drinks at prohibition and then we ended up eating a second dinner at mm-hmm. eight o'clock and they're like what is wrong with you yeah. <laughs> i'm like i want to eat everywhere <laughs> but so i wanted to touch on actually just like on your wife and where'd you meet her um, how long have you guys been together? What does she do? She is in sales for the Urban Electric Company. I don't know if you've heard of them. It's a super, super high-end custom white fixture manufacturing company at awesome. the old Navy base. Oh, um, wow. It's super awesome. They, uh, it's Everything's locally made, sourced by hand in Charleston, custom made to order. They deal pretty much directly with designers um, all over the world, but um, her territory is kind of kind of cool because it's the northeast and not counting new york and then the west coast but how that works is it's all wherever the designer is located so she has projects in hawaii in vegas she she just did a big project at the mgm in vegas because the designer was out of boston and so um you know she did uh the project at 11 madison park when they just did their renovation in new york city and because the designer was out of portland so it's just it's kind of cool to see where her territory is, but they um, they provide like a very 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 cool industrial look, and 
She loves it. It's a great company to work for. I think they've got about 300, 400 employees now and really you know, younger guys started it and just very driven and smart and same kind of thing. They treat they treat their employees super well. They love going to work. They have a full-time barista. It's funny. I, my wife told me that before this, she's like, you have to listen to Dave's podcast. He was on a podcast, the CEO of the company recently <laughs> and was like, just listen to it and speak so eloquently, like just take some tips on it. So, <laughs> we got to get an intro. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. For sure. Um, so yeah, she does that. She also likes to bartend on the weekend. So she'll pick up a shift here and there. Um, her best friend owns a bunch of wedding venues. So she does some wedding bartending as well. She just likes to be busy. Um, we met, she was in college and I was in law school and I was working at Midtown at the time. And I think she was about three months before she turned 21. So I was the older bartender who could <laughs> make sure she got into the bar, which you don't do that anymore. But yeah, this was, uh, we met, we've been together for eight years now. We've been married for uh, almost a year. Anniversary is next month. That's awesome. awesome. Congratulations. Happy Thank anniversary. You. Thank you. Very cool. Uh, so how many employees do you guys have at Trio? Um, we do have a bunch of part-time, but I would say all together about 40. Okay. Between few part-time bartenders, some VIP guards, um, management, promotional team. Actually, probably closer to 50 once you add the promotional team. That's awesome. So what um, is the biggest risk you feel like you've taken that I feel like most of the risks that you come out and talk about, they've turned, especially like with Trio and stuff, they've been good. Um, looking back, is, is there anything, not that you regret um, but that you wish that you maybe would have done differently. No, just, just in, in general. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would have done it differently because, or anything, <clears throat> I would say the biggest risk I've ever taken was trio. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, we put every penny and signed off any piece of paper I could to, to get this going. Um, the only, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything because I think if I would have changed anything, it wouldn't have happened because like I said before, you know, it was kind of a, Hey, this, this is on your plate. Now you either kind of have to take it or leave it. Um, and I would say for my net, what I've learned from this for your next project is to plan everything before you start instead of trying to start and then going from one person to the next and moving forward. But it, it, we got really lucky with the team that we had and it, it did turn out great. Um, but it was a super stressful six months. Yeah. So that's, I feel like that's a short time. Yeah. Yeah. For we, we turned it around. It was, it was great because half the team was from Miami and half the team was from here. Yeah. So they kind of could work together or work at the same time. So it's not like we weren't necessarily, and it was, there were two major parts. There was the production side of things and then there was the renovation with the bar tops and the, yeah. you know, the flooring and, and all that kind of stuff. So there was the cosmetic and then there was the production that could work simultaneously pretty much. Um, so, you know, it, it was good to be able to have that two separate teams doing everything together. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Cool. So, uh, who, of all the Southern charmed characters or, <laughs> or people who have come in, who do you know the best? And, uh, and what was that experience like? I've known Craig since we sat together freshman year of college. So okay. I've known him forever. Um, I mean, he, he's probably my closest out of all of them. My wife was good friends with Naomi in college as well. So, um, you know, we don't Did you have to pick sides or no, they're, they're <laughs> fine. They're <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't, I don't really interact. I think, uh, Austin comes in every now and again. Um, Craig was there the night that we were there. Yeah, Craig's there. Nicole awkwardly ran up and hugged him. So <laughs> I drank a lot. Okay, you gave me shots. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Um, no, I and mean, Craig's a good guy. He's yeah. he's uh, he's been a good friend for a long time. So I, if I had to pick a, a favorite, it would just be him because I've known him for so long. It's awesome. Um, and then favorite places to hang out that you haven't mentioned so far in Charleston. Anywhere you want to shout out? Um, we live in Avondale, so I love walking oh. to you know. To the Avondale bars, we'll ride our bikes there on a Wednesday night and watch a, you know, whatever. I'm like a hockey fan, so watch a hockey game. Who's your team? The Capitals. Mm, nice, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, feels pretty good, I'm sure. Yeah, long it, time coming. It did yeah. very, very. I'm a Rangers fan, so I was 12 last time we won a cup. Okay. So I'd like to experience one of those again. I think was Lundqvist still playing because he's about 100 years old. Now. No, it was Mike Richter at the time, <laughs> okay. but yeah, I remember that. But for, amazingly, we never won one with Lundqvist. Unfortunately, we made one, but never got over the hump. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, you didn't. He's also a Mets fan and a Giants fan, so the Giants thing has worked out sort of. You know, uh, listen, we got it's been two, a few years. We got two, two in the last Better ten the years. Team, so, so yeah. Well, uh. Oh yeah, that's a rough situation <laughs> right now. Yep. Yep. Fired the coach. Don't know what they're doing. Well, it's kind of like uh, a Knicks situation. He's the worst. The two worst owners in sports, maybe. Yep. Just the Knicks and the Redskins. Yeah, so. I agree. So what what do you do? What is your schedule like, you personally? Um, so ever since I, I wouldn't say ever since for the probably past six to eight weeks, um, our GM has really stepped up, and I've been able to take a little bit of a break, a breather. Uh, but I'm at Trio every day. I get up probably around nine. My wife gets up at six, six oh five, six oh eight, six eleven, six fourteen. Um. <laughs> So I try to go back to sleep when she leaves for work for an hour, but I'm normally up by nine. We have a we have a puppy who will not get out of bed, so um, every time she gets up, he's jumping in and out of the bed, so I'm awake. Uh, but I'm up at nine. I normally go down there and kind of just either if it's a Monday, I recap the weekend and run the bank reports and do all that. Um, there's always something to do, whether it's to fix or you know go over a contract with the DJ or you know, work on promotional flyers or, um, you know, what are anything? So I'm there for at least, you know, six hours a day, um, organizing, cleaning, fixing, and then, you know, we're in a trio bowling team. So Monday nights we bowl, uh, Wednesday nights date night with the wife. So we always take Wednesday night, either we cook at home or go out somewhere. Um, it's been like a running thing for probably about four years now. It's just always kind of been our night. Um, and then we're open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday now. So I'm normally there from, you know, open till try to leave unless I'm entertaining a DJ by midnight, 1230. But that doesn't always happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, daytime, I'm just doing, I don't want to say paperwork, but pretty much just, you know. Running the business. Work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Administrative stuff for sure. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Any other questions? What? I mean, I feel like I could talk to you about things forever. Okay, who are your DJs that you'd like to see at Trio? <laughs> so I have a oh. hard time even like I didn't, I didn't even know it was possible to see big 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 DJs at a place like Trio until you pulled it off. Um, so it's hard for me to really even wrap my head around. Um, I thought Crespo did one of the best sets there. Yeah, I was I had the best time. Yeah, you know he's I mean? awesome. So, he did such an amazing job. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like Cedric is literally my favorite. Like okay. we've seen him at the Marquee. We've yeah. seen him a few times in Vegas, and like, he's just like my. Oh, and I think we saw him at. Do we? See, we saw him at Live too. Yeah, he's at Live like every other month. Yeah, we. Um, Kreider, <laughs> I think, is somebody that I really like okay. to see. Yeah. Um, we saw him in L.A. Oh yeah, that was a good show. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, who who did we see at Story that one night in Miami? I forget now, but. Uh, that story is a great venue. Yeah. That story is really cool. Yeah, it was a cool venue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I. I'm trying to think now. Like, I feel. I feel like I can't. I'm on the spot. And I can't. Well, there, there's so many, and, and a lot. Of, it's funny because it sounds like you guys are big Tao fans. Tao uses a lot of open format DJs, which is Crespo. What he's he's more of a uh, a club DJ versus someone like a Cedric, who's more of a producer. Yeah. Um, who's going to play his music the whole time, whereas Crespo's going to play other people's music, some hip hop, some, you know, some big room EDM and kind of mix it all together. Um, so that's another big thing that's hard to balance is, you know, Crespo, one of my favorite shows we've ever had. A lot of people don't know him because he's not on the radio. He doesn't have a, you know, you know what I mean? So, but it was packed. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those guys do really well because he's been here three or four times and he's starting to build a little bit of a rapport. And we pump it up because we know it's going to be one of the best shows because he's awesome. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I just, I just don't know. Like, I feel like I've seen a million DJs and. Well, if you ever think of one, you're like, hey, this guy would do really well at Trio. Send him over to us. We're I, always looking for new, new talent. I'm gonna go back and look through some of the. Yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely come up with some recommendations. I just can't. It's hard to know what would even what would even work in there. It's true. You know? And now, like, I mean, I, I just went as in Vegas recently. I went to Chaos, mm-hmm. and it's like. That's a whole different level of difficult for a DJ to like make that work in a room. Like it's not a room; yeah. it's like a park, you know. Yeah, it's so, like eight thousand people with a rotating stage and all that. Yeah, so there's just it, you know. Yeah, that's a different kind of production. Yeah. I yeah. prefer like boutiquey. It, it's what's getting smaller. popular these days. The boutique rooms are what really are, are people are starting to like. Like Cascade, for example, does a Redux tour now, and he won't like the whole tour is like 
smaller than it sounds like a lot smaller than a thousand people we won't play in a room bigger than a thousand people during this tour and a lot of these artists are are liking that because it's a lot more intimate they get to connect with the, with the fans and the, and the audience a lot more and it's not like a, they're playing a huge festival where they're you know 80 feet off from the first person and it's, it's kind of cool to be able to reach over and high five somebody yeah it's awesome um do you guys just do edm so we'll do um well as far as like what like hip-hop and yeah yeah i'm like oh maybe it would be really cool to have a reggae night (laughs) yeah so we do i mean with the downstairs we do the live bands and i mean that's really fun um as far as the setup is really only it's kind of only set up for edm but yeah it's a pretty wide genre yeah um but we did uh, a good friend of ours, Greg Keys, is a, in a really popular local band, and they just released their music video. So we did their music release party upstairs, and we built out oh, the cool. stage. So we had a DJ doing backing tracks, but he had the full band up front. And it's, his music's a lot of, like, top 40s, like, upbeat. So it worked really well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're always trying to do new things up there. We've done um, a drummer with a DJ, saxophonist, violinist, just to try to, like, change things up and... You know, the way that we built it with that little stage up front is just perfect for it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not just your club DJs. We do all kinds of, you know, deep house music and bass music all along the spectrum of, <clears throat> of EDM and some of that live music aspect, too. Cool. I love it. Yeah. We're going to, I appreciate it go right now. <laughs> well, it's today. Today's Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. We'll have to check it out later this week. Uh, yeah. Who? Anybody coming up that you want to promote or let people know about? Um, I think our calendar's pretty much been out for the rest of the year. We do have some big names coming up. I mean, Vice Tone is this Saturday. Um, they're a big European duo. Um, we've got Morgan Page next Saturday, which is he's a very similar to a Borges, big room Vegas style DJ. Um. And then the guy we had last week in Sid, he's a Grammy winner and you know, he doesn't people don't really know him just because he's also a ghost producer, so he makes a lot of music with other people that have bigger names. Sure. He made Summertime Sadness with Cedric Gervais at yeah. the Grammy. That's cool. Um Lost That's... Kings is coming up next month, which is probably one of our I would say top five biggest shows of the year for sure. That one's actually halfway sold out already and it's a month in advance. Good for you. Wow. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I hope uh, I hope uh, we'll see all these listeners at Trio very soon. I and so. uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Thank yeah. you, guys. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Oh. <sighs> a little all over the place, but no, I love normally it. we like go a little more chronologically with things. But uh, 